Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. And I'm John. Cheers. Cheers. So uh, what did you cheers with there, John? I am uh, enjoying our uh, newly released 2017 family album, uh, Petite Syrah. Uh, all estate grown fruit. Um, I also it also got 91 points from the wine enthusiast, and uh, it's quite a delicious wine. I've already enjoyed it uh, um, the last couple of weeks pre-release with uh, a couple steaks and burgers, and um, and having a, a delightful time sipping it here. You, you got to love when the, the, the winemaker is, is tapping into those bottles pre-release and drinking it because they're enjoying it that much. If, I mean, if you tap into it several times, that means you're, you're happy with it, I'm guessing. I am. I'm very happy with it. Nice, nice. And I guess uh, for those who did not listen last time, uh, John, you're with Aver Family Vineyards. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you guys are doing out there? Sure. Uh, so I'm John Aver. Uh, I'm the owner and vineyard on at, at Aver Family Vineyards. We're a uh, small boutique winery in the um, southern part of the Santa Clara Valley, um, specializing in the Rhone varietals. Um, I'm a grower. Uh, uh, I uh, make the wines. I also have a consulting winemaker that works with me to make the wines. Um, and uh, as I like to say, I'm also the janitor <laughs> and everything else <laughs> at Aver Family. Um, but, uh, and we specialize in the, uh, in the Rhone varietals and then we do a little bit of cab and a little bit of, uh, Chardonnay also. Yeah. Anyone wants to know more about the Rhone varietals? We did an entire episode talking about those. I highly recommend going back and checking that one out. That was a good one and very informative for me anyway, um, understanding what they are. And, uh, I'd been drinking a lot more of those than I thought I was and enjoying them. And so it's kind of nice, um, I think always on our journey to associate what we know or what we like. And so it's once I realized, oh, hey, that was a Rhone varietal. Now maybe I should look for more Rhone varietals, things like that. So I, I think that was very helpful for me in connecting some dots. Cool. So we're here today and we're going to talk about, and, and I'm going to butcher, butcher this uh, about 500 times and say it 20 different ways, um, but it's, it's terroir. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, so you can say it the French way and not use all the, all the letters and, and cut stuff out. You can say it the American way, however, but it's, it's all the same, right? Terroir, it's a, it's, a, it, it's a French word that means sense of place, essentially. So it's a sense of place, and, and I like that. And, and really what that's referring to, and, and this is where we'll, we'll kind of turn it over to you, but my understanding is really what we're doing is we're, re, we're referring to, we're talking about the, it, it's kind of the, well, I guess that sense of place, but the place, the location, the weather, the, the everything that, that it's, it's, I guess, like your real estate, location, 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 right? And that's really what you're kind of talking about there. Exactly. So it, um, I mean, in the most high level, it's the, uh, it's the, the soil and the, the climate of, you know, where the vineyard's located, but then it goes into so many more, more levels. Um, you know, so if you just take the, uh, the, at that top level where you say, well, it's, 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 a, it's where it is. So it's the climate, you know, is it hot or cold? Cause that obviously affects it, right? If it's hot, then of course you're going to get warmer, uh, or riper grapes with a lot more sugar content than higher alcohols. 
um, if it's cooler, so you know, a place like Burgundy, or if you think um, up in in Oregon, where uh, uh, with all the Pinot Noirs, and so you're going to get more acidity, so you're not going to have have the big ripe high alcohol wines, a little, little more acidity, a little little different kind of style. Um, you know, the soil, big. that's a big deal wherever you are. Every, everybody's soil is different and how you treat it is different. And, and that definitely has a huge effect on, on the vines and then hence on, on the grapes, right? You know, some, some, some uh, uh, soils retain heat more. Or if you think uh, back to the Rhone, to Chateauneuf du Pop, my favorite place, and they have all the, 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 the stones that are all on the ground and they, they soak up the heat during the day and then at night radiate the heat back up to help the vines continue to, um, to ripen. Or you can think of different soil types like clay and sand. So clay holds on to water. So now you have more water available to the roots of your vines versus sand where it runs right through and now the vines don't have any water. And so they're out searching for it. Plus they have to be given water. You know, it's things like that. It's the, the soil gives you minerals. You know, you hear the, the term minerality a lot in, in wine, right? And well, where does that come from? It comes from the minerals in the soil. Um, I don't know that there's an exact definition because I, what I call minerality isn't always what somebody else calls minerality versus what somebody else calls minerality. But, but there's definitely some yep. piece of minerality in, 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 in wine. And then kindly, lastly, just in this same, you know, where we're just talking about just the location, you know, you kind of have your topography. So, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a, a, a high northern or, or very far southern um, latitude, that's way different than growing kind of like where I'm located versus, say, trying to grow grapes in the Caribbean, um, which you don't see a lot of grapes growing there, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, and that, because that also affects, right, temperatures and humidity and how much sunlight or, or precipitation you get. And then, you know, and I see it here on my vineyard, the, the slopes. I mean, flat, flat land um, is way different in how it, how the grapes grow on it than, than, than a very steep slope or a gentle slope because it, that's how much sunlight hits, how much water is there, et cetera. Um, you know, and then, and then the other thing kind of with that whole latitude top topography thing um, is what you call it, what we call the diurnal temperature variations or swings, which is kind of the heat of the day, the high of the day and the low of the day. And um, most high, high, super high quality um, wine regions have a very big um, diurnal swing. So like where I live, it gets, when we grow the Rhone varietals, they love heat. Well, so we get we get 90 and 100 de degree days regularly through the growing season, which the Rhone varietal love. But then at night it cools down into the low 50s, so the vines are able to to to, to close down for a little while and rest, and adds for a longer growing season, so flavors can really be developed. Versus say here in California, and you're in the Central Valley um, where it never cools down, and so the vines just never shut down, and they're picking at the end of July or August while we're picking in October. Um, so th those are kind of some of the, the, the basic um, kind of themes of, of terroir, if, if, if you will. I guess yeah. it's interesting, but you know, the, in France and, and, and most of Europe, Italy, they have their AOC or DOC and quality controls in the different regions. And, and that supposedly is all based on terroir, right? And that's what makes that 
area special for whatever that high quality type of wine they're growing. Um, um, as a quick little aside though, um, a friend of mine who's a winemaker went uh, and took a, a week long class in, in Burgundy. And so this is him telling me this, so I don't know this as a true fact, um, <laughs> but he, when he was taking the class, he said one of the professors said that uh, uh, terroir a long time ago used to be a negative connotation. Oh, your, your, your wine tasted of terroir, meaning it tasted of dirt. Um, and huh. then somewhere along the way, it's become, you know, to mean a very important and special thing. And, and actually, oh, your wine tasted terroir, which is a very good thing, right? Because it's, oh, it tastes very, it's from this specific little block in, you name the region. And that's a special block that makes the best wine of that area or, or something like that. How interesting. No, I love that. There, there, and there's a ton in there. And that was very informed, very helpful already. Uh, and if you don't mind, we're going to, I'm going to walk through some of what you just said, and we're going to unpack a little bit of that in there, if that's all right. So we talk about the soil. I like to talk like the clay in the sand, and that's going to affect um, how much it is, is um, running off, you know, how much water it's going to retain, things like that, and, and, uh, or, or how quickly it's going to go through. We talk about the heat, the minerals. Um, and, and I've just always been, uh, well, actually, two kind of questions around this. One, I've heard a lot of things around uh, talk about volcanic soils versus um, sedimentary ones, or I think something like that. So, I mean, I don't know how much you can kind of speak to around those. And then I kind of have another question around the soil. And we're, I've, I've taken notes as you're going here, so we're just going to walk through a few of these. So do you have any kind of thoughts or insights on to, like, what kind of a difference that might make? Yeah, so I, I, I can only talk about volcanic soils from um, some of the wines I've uh, drinking from, uh, uh, um, I'm blanking on the name of the, the, the location up in Napa, but there's a, um, there's an area up there that, that all the calves are grown in this volcanic soil. And it's, and if you taste it versus other, other calves grown in, in the Napa Valley, um, on either, whether it's on the, on the Valley floor or other, other, um, um, hillsides and stuff, you can definitely taste a, a difference in, in the wine, a, um, you know, again, comes into that little bit different sorts of minerality that, that each of the different calves pick up. Um, we don't have volcanic soil here, um, so I can't talk about it from an actual growing experience, um, but I have, have tasted wines that have been grown on, on volcanic soil, and you can definitely tell a difference. So that definitely yeah. is the terroir, as, you, as we we're talking, coming through in, in, in the wine. Yeah. Well, and that sounds like it can be, again, some of that minerality that, that you're mentioning there. And again, some of the uh, possibly, again, the way that the, kind of the water flows or doesn't flow, I guess, and different things that direction. Um, another thing I've always heard that has always kind of intrigued me a little bit, and I was just curious if you had any thoughts or insight into how this works. And again, I know that, you know, I, I put you a little bit on the spot here and, and not expecting you to be the expert on everything, but um, I've heard that like if there's other things that are grown in the soil or nearby, like I don't know if there was a rosemary or I know there was something else grown there previously or whatever, taste of that will kind of get into the grapes. Is, is, is there kind of truth to that and how does that work or any insights into that? Yeah, so I, there is truth. I mean, they've done studies of it and have shown that, uh, have been able to show that uh, it will pick up notes from from uh, a eucalyptus grove that's growing right next to the to the vineyard, 
or I think maybe I even mentioned it when we talked about the Rhone varietals, but in, in the Rhone, they have this, the, 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 the vegetation that grows around, in, especially in the Southern Rhone, has a, a name, it's called Garrique. And so it, yeah. has, it has lavender and, and, and the rosemary they were talking about, even some wild sage and thyme. Um, there's a, a, I forget the name of the plant, but our equivalent of it here is called rock roses. Um, and they definitely will have an influence on, um, on the wine that comes from a particular vineyard of what's growing, growing around it. So there's definitely um, some uh, 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 influence um, on the wine that comes from a particular site on what is, what is around it. Interesting. And I guess that's just a, a I don't know, feature, I guess you'd call it, whatever, a characteristic, if you will, of grapes that they're, that, that they're going to just do that naturally, I, I guess, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I guess you want to always make sure you never put a vineyard in next to a company that uh, runs outhouses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. There you go. That, that would be a very different uh, experience. <laughs> Noted uh, as if for anybody out there looking for your uh, next vineyard uh, uh, place. Um, Okay, we talked a little bit about weather, and, and uh, my, again, my limited understanding of this is, is things like the warmer weather is going to uh, give you like a smaller fruit, and because it's smaller, it's going to be a little bit more concentrated, a little bit more flavorful, and then like you're talking about where it's maybe a lot more rains, that's where you get your pinots, and not that they don't, you know, and they grow bigger, and it's not like, so, so the, the flavor is a little less, I guess, uh, punchy or I guess strong or things like that. But again, you're getting different things like that. It, and I, it, clearly from what you're saying, there's some truth to that, but I, I don't know if you can elaborate a little bit on, on how, how much of that is true and how does some of that work? Well, so on some of so on the warmer, you're definitely going to get riper fruit. So you're going to get uh, more alcohol. You're going to get bit, you can get bigger flavors. Um, you know, so you think about some of the big California wines. And if you think of, um, a California Pinot, some of the, especially some of the bigger ones um, that uh, have become quite famous versus some of the uh, uh, Oregon Pinots. Um, so big, warm, hot weather, hotter weather, even in, even in most of the Pinot growing areas in California versus the cooler climate uh, Pinot growing in, uh, in, uh, in Oregon. So you're going to have big, bold flavors in California. You're going to have more subtle, nuanced flavors in, in the Oregon wine. The, the size of the berries tends to be more influenced by um, how much water they get. Um, so like I know when we went through the drought, um, while we didn't get very big production because the water, water levels were low, um, we had very tiny berries and made incredibly, incredibly um, dense and flavorful um, wines during, during that time because the berries were so small. So you got a nice juice to skin, skin ratio. Um, I forgot what the other, there was one other thing you, 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 you asked about in there. Um, uh, yeah, I think I was just the, just the kind of overall effects of weather, I think was what I was going for <laughs> exactly well, what weather, I asked and I don't remember. Weather definitely has a huge impact. Um, I think if you look, uh, so in, 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 uh, so California, we have lots of great weather all the time. Although now we're, we're starting to have these, uh, these, um, extremely high heat events, which is, is not good. 
you know, what, what, like everything in humans included, we like kind of a nice steady weather. If it's going to go up and get hot, we like it to go up gradually. So we get used to it and then it stays warm, but it doesn't get too hot and whatever our comfort rate range is. I happen to like warm weather. So I'm fine when it's 85, 90 degrees, but all of a sudden, if it goes from 80 degrees to 105 degrees, I'm not comfortable that first day. Right. And grapes are the exact yep. same, same way. So best vintages are when you, you, you know, you have nice gradual climb. It stays pretty steady, you know, a couple little peaks and valleys, but nothing big. And those tend to be great, great wine growing years. Um, so you look over in Europe where, um, you know, it rains during the winter, they'll get hailstorms, it'll, it'll cool off and heat up. Um, and so like in Bordeaux, which is, you know, growing calves, which tend to like a lot of heat and stuff, some of their best best years, you know, their 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 best vintages tend to be their warmest years because it allows the grapes to get extra ripe, and so they're just more flavorful, flavorful and more approachable, and and all of that. Um, you know, obviously, all grapes need some amount of heat to get to get ripe in different varietals. Back to Pinot Noir needs less than say Cab or Zinfandel, or in my case. Grenache and Syrah. Um, and so you have different different tolerances. And, and if you threw a, a, a Pinot Noir grape down here while I'm growing it, 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 it burn up pretty fast because it's just too hot and it would make a kind of a flabby wine. Flip side, if I started growing, you know, Syrah in, or let's not pick, if I started growing Grenache in, in Burgundy, it probably wouldn't do all that super great because it just wouldn't get to that big, nice, right flavor that we that we associate with that. I was going to use Syrah, but Syrah is one of the few grapes that can do really well both in cool and warm climates um, and ex expresses itself differently. Nice. And, and again, these are some of the reasons why uh, terroir is so important and why I think, you know, it, it people talk about it so much, right? Because it, it yeah. really determines what grapes you can grow, where you can grow them, and, and how well, uh, to a degree, they're going to turn out. So I'm glad we're covering this. Um, you mentioned topography a little bit. Can you kind of dig into that a little bit? And again, kind of how that's going to affect, uh, affect and how that's going to affect different flavors? Uh, like an, it's going to affect it in different ways. It's going to affect it in growing. Um, obviously. So if everything's just flat and deeply fertile, you're going to have, you're going to have um, bigger grapes, so less juice to skin contact, so a little, little less on the tannin structure, maybe a little less on the flavor because there's going to be more water content in, in, in your grapes. You may end up getting uh, 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 more canopy growth. So if you're growing something like a cab, you could end up getting a lot of more uh, uh, pyrazines, which is the green bell pepper notes um versus if you're on a on a hillside right it's not holding the water very well you're you know it's draining off pretty quickly vines are suffering a little bit more having to work a little bit harder um so you're going to get littler bear smaller berries um at the slope they're going to get more sun right because a, a hillside gets more sun than a flatland when you think about on direct contact to to, yep. to the vines and the berries themselves um you know, another big thing that can, that in part of the topography and all of that that can that can have a big effect is if you're near a large body of water. 
that can definitely have some uh, moderating um, effects on, on temperature swings, right? So if you're out in the desert, it just it gets really hot. And then, but here, you know, like for the Bay, if you think of San Francisco, where we are, it can be 100 degrees and they're surrounded on three sides by water and it's maybe 68 degrees. Um, so, you know, that can have a, 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 a big effect. And, and that's part of your terroir is, is where, you're, where you're located. Um, so, you know, th those definitely ha have a big uh, effect. I, you know, so I guess the other thing, so we haven't talked about it yet, but the other thing that, that I think, and a lot of people think when it comes to terroir, it's just not the natural uh, uh, things that are out there, like the climate and the soil and, and the part of it, if you don't, you know, you can't do anything about your climate and you kind of can't do anything about your topography for the most part, unless you bring in a giant bulldozer and tear down the hill. Um, <laughs> it is what it is, but you can do a lot about your soil and you can do a lot about your vines and you can do a lot about how you farm and you can do a lot about how, when you pick at what's ripeness levels and stuff. And those, I think, and a lot of people do too, um, uh, affect what would be called the terroir of, of, of your site, you know, your, your, your sense of place. Got to comment because I think it's really interesting on the, on the flat versus the slopes because I'd seen, the, you know, both from pictures or driving by some of the very sloped vineyards and I'd always kind of thought, well, you know, they just kind of, I know, got a deal on the land and they're, they're <laughs> suffering through it or something. I don't know, it's the only thing they could do, but it, it sounds like in some cases that's fully intentional because that's giving them both the sunlight and the drainage and the different things that they want. So some of those really steep slopes where you're like, why would anybody grow there? It's actually very intentional. Yeah, well, I think in, in, in some cases, so when, you, when you look at uh, Europe, for example, I think, you know, where, a wine, where it's been a wine region for a thousand years, I think your, your, first, uh, your first comment was probably more true <laughs> in that, okay, well, you know, this is nice flat land. We're going to grow wheat. We're going to grow vegetables and we're going to raise livestock because it's easy. You know, that stuff over there, you know, that's hard to farm and stuff. Yeah, just put some grapes over there and let them grow and we'll just pick them later type of thing. Yeah. And then it turned out, hey, God, the grapes on this uh, on this hillside grow way taste way better than the grapes over here on this flatland. Um, so I think on some cases, right, it, it just happened to be oh that that land's not good for anything else. Let's go ahead and uh, and put put the vines there. And I think over time, so in newer areas like you know California and, and America, you know everywhere, they're like well gosh if you know in uh, in Hermitage the some of the greatest Syrahs are going to look at the steepness of that hill. We should grow our Syrah on a really steep hill too. And, and, and maybe we'll get something like that. And so then they made the choice. Now it's a whole lot harder to farm those steep hills. Um, and, uh, and, you know, back in the day, you know, you, you were a landowner in, in France. And so you could just have, you know, all your servants or whatever your serfs go work for you. It doesn't work that way anymore. And so it's a lot harder to farm uh, uh, the, the steep uh, hillsides than, than it used to be. And, um, you know, I, I, I truly do believe you get better, better wine, uh, better, higher quality wines um, off of the hillsides. But um, I'm not always 100% sure that you get exactly what it's worth <laughs> just because of how gotcha. much work it takes and how hard it is to do. <laughs> Gotcha. And so two more quick things on, on just, again, this, the, the, I guess, the natural end of things. But 
Uh, one of those is elevation. Do you have kind of any thoughts or insights on, on how the elevation is, is affecting how the grapes are growing? Because there's a, a big deal. And I know I tend to prefer a lot of grapes that grow at higher elevation, but I have no idea why or what that difference is. So, so the only thing I, I mean I can say about elevation is that, um, right, the higher up the altitude you go, then the, then the cooler the, the, the um, temperatures will be, especially at night, right? So um, depending on where it is, but so that goes back to that whole diurnal uh, uh, variation where you're getting a hot day, but a very cool night because um, just naturally in, in, in the mountains, the, the, it gets cold at night, no matter how hot it is during the day. Um, you know, it, I guess, you know, so you probably get a lot, a longer growing season as long as when you're you're not too high and you get snow because then, then then you have to get the grapes in or, or bad weather be, before then um so you know that might be some of it um i just i don't know there definitely is a a a difference which goes back to the whole concept of terroir and sense of place of uh, um especially well well-placed and well-maintained, well-grown high-altitude vineyards, but not all high-altitude vineyards, just like all flat vineyards are, you know, in the right spot, growing the right varietals and maintained in whatever the proper way that, that they should be maintained for where they are. So, um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed some good high-altitude uh, uh, wines over the years. Although, if you think about most of the the big uh, wine areas um, in in Europe and, and, and in older areas, you know, none of most of them are not in super high high ele elevations. Um, but I think that's what makes it interesting too. So, you know, no two wines are really the same, and it's you know how they're grown, where they're grown, how they're made, all those different things, just like like a piece of art, right? You can you know two different artists can paint basically the same picture, yet you'll enjoy one more than you'll enjoy the other, depending on who you are and what your tastes are. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and again, that's why I kind of find this fascinating because I think it gets. Uh, it, it, it has so much weight, but I think, uh, at least for me, so few people or myself don't really understand it as well as maybe we could or would or should. And so um, don't give it necessarily the credit that it, that it fully deserves, which is because it can be one of those words I think that people use a lot that, that goes over, you know, at least for me, over my head and, and whatnot. So I'm loving this. And, and what you're saying there is a perfect into my last kind of thing, which is the talk about kind of some of those temperature swings and things like that. And you said that that kind of has them stay longer on the vine and, and kind of thoughts on how that again is going to kind of affect things. I mean, if it ends up at the same, I mean, I'm just randomly throwing this out and this is kind of thing, but if it ends up at the same maturation, you know, you pick it at this particular point, why does it matter if it gets there quicker or slower as long as it's at that same point? Well, it, it actually, the, the longer you hang it, the maturation point changes. Um, and what you get is more, more flavor development. Um, which also then leads to more high alcohols. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that's one of those uh, phenomenons that Parker got uh, labeled for, for, for causing because he liked wines that, that tended to be bigger and more, more bold and, and, and flavorful and impactful. And those were wines that hung out longer and had more alcohol. And I mean, there's a whole, you, you can have huge arguments in the wine world about, 
you know, should it be low alcohol? Should it be high alcohol? Should it be, you know, <laughs> picked early? Should it be picked late? Should it be all the, these different things? That's that's purely a uh, uh, choice of both the, the 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 wine grower and and the consumer. But you definitely, the longer you hang it on the vine to a point, because at some point it's going to shrivel up and turn into a raisin. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, the longer you hang it, the more the flavors develop. Um, you know, tannins can develop more. The seeds get browner, which is, makes it a nice softer tannin. Um, but uh, that, again, that's a 100% uh, human-affected part of terroir. That is the grower, the wine grower, winemaker. Um, I like the term wine grower. Um, and that's really in, in France, that's what you're called. You're not, you're not the winemaker, you're the wine grower. So that's a, the term vigneron. Um, and, uh, and so that's your choice of how you, you are interpreting what you want your grapes to do to make your wine. Got it. No, I love it. And that is a perfect, I mean, you're, you're setting me up here. <laughs> this was not <laughs> planned, I promise people. Uh, but a perfect segue uh, into kind of talking about what, what we just started talking to a little bit about, about back there, which is what uh, the wine grower, make sure I, I, I'm going to start using that term now because I like that, um, what the wine growers are doing to kind of, um, uh, you know, I guess uh, different things are doing that are affecting the terroir, both, I guess, good, bad, maybe indifferent or, or, or whatever. So if you kind of want to dive into that, and then I think I'd uh, love to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing there, because I know that's a little bit uh, unique as well. All right. Well, so, um, yeah, so as, a, as the, the wine grower, as the, you know, as, a, you know, the human controlled parts of, of, of uh, uh, terroir, Right. I mean, it starts with which which kind of varietals you decide to plant and which kind of rootstocks you you you, you decide to use because um, the the varietal has to be uh, you know suitable for the climate, etc. Um, and then the rootstock um, and there's so many different selections of rootstocks now that you can pick based on what your um, your particular location is like, you know, what kind of soils do you have? What, uh, you know, what if any uh, 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 problems do you have with either phylloxera or nematodes, which are insects that will attack the vines? You know, is it a wetter soil? Is it a drier soil? Um, there's all kinds of different things. Do you want it, do you want it to uh, uh, ripen earlier? Do you want it to ripen later? I mean, it's, it's a, when you start looking into all the different types of options you have when you pick rootstocks. I mean, it, so that's, that's a, big, a, a, a big influence on what you're going to get from your particular piece of land. So that's a piece of the, the terroir, you know, and then you decide, okay, so I'm going to lay my vineyard out. Well, so rural orientation is, is, is critical too. So if you go north-south or just off the north-south, you have a, a morning side and, a, and, a, and an afternoon side of, of the of sun hitting in the vines and the grapes. If you're going east-west and you have a south side, which is very hot, and then you have a north side, which is mostly in the shade and the cooler side. Um, and so how you manage that and how you lay it out. And sometimes, you know, like when I bought my vineyard, it was already pre-laid out for me. So I didn't get to choose how I wanted to lay it out. I just had to adopt or adapt rather, sorry, um, how I farmed and what I did um, based on how, which direction the rows were going. 
Um, uh, and, and real quick on that, uh, if you don't mind, because that, that actually to me speaks to just something I've kind of learned in the importance of blocks. So when they talk about blocks of vineyards, right? I mean, that's kind of like, so you got the whole thing, but a block is, I guess, almost like a neighborhood or, or maybe even smaller, like again, literally a block. And like you're saying, one may be getting more shade, one's not or whatever. And that's why it's important which block it came from. Is that correct? Right. So, yeah. So a block can be defined however you want it to be. So your entire vineyard <laughs> can be a block. You could decide one vine as a block. Um, generally, <laughs> I mean, this is my interpretation. Generally, a block is, you know, kind of all of the same type of, of, at least is how I look at it, all the same type of vines in a particular location where the soil is never uniform, but it's more or less kind of the same. And then that's that's what I call a block. So I've got my, I've got two different Grenache blocks. They're both hillsides. One has a very rocky soil and faces in one direction and the other one is got deep rocks, but a, a higher clay and a, and, and a little bit steeper slope and faces uh, um, about 90 degrees different than, than the other, other block. Um, so those are two different blocks for me. But right next to that Grenache, that's the steeper and whatever, it has petite serra on both sides, but they're each two different blocks because they're, they're, not, they're not, you know, continuous. So I've decided that they're two different blocks, even though it's on one hillside, it's about an acre and a half, and you could call all that one block because the soil's not, again, not 100% uniform, but more or less, and, and more or less they, the, 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 the orientation towards the sun and everything is, is, is mostly the same, and et cetera, et cetera, but I've called those three separate blocks. And so when we take okay. care of them, when we measure this time of the year for the sugars and, and the acid and, and everything we do, each one of them is a separate block. And I say, okay, well, we're going to go work on this block today or, or whatever it is that we're doing. Got it. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, and I probably lost your train of thought, but I just uh, wanted to dig into that because, uh, and how that kind of, I, and I, I always try to like connect the dots and, and tie in the, the few little phrases I know, you know, to, to what, what's going on there. So, but so where I interrupted you, you were talking about um, uh, how they, uh, one of the things, the way that, that the, the growers can um, affect uh, the terroir is, is how they're laying out their vines. Right. So, so then, so then the other thing is, so, okay, so now you're laying out your vines, you got your row orientation, whether you're going, you know, one direction or the other, it's how, you know, what's your spacing, what's your spacing between plants, what's your spacing between rows, um, you know, what kind of canopy are you putting them on? Um, and, you know, what's your, your trellis system? Uh, you know, are you doing a, a, a vertical shoot position, a VSP? Or are you doing what's called California sprawl, where you essentially put a wire to train the cordon on and then just kind of let them maybe put one hang wire at most and you just kind of let them grow and they hang all the way down to the ground. You've got a lot of shade in there. Um, back when I mentioned that pyrazine, so if you're growing cab, you're going to have some um, really big bell pepper flavors on your, on your cab if it's grown that way, versus if you're on the VSP, which is basically straight up and down, almost like a fence, and you're leaf pulling and you're getting some more sun in there, you're probably not going to have either any pyrazines or, or very, a very low, low level. So, you know, that's a way uh, of, of affecting um, the terroir of the uh, of your particular site, you know. And again, like I said, leaf pulling. Some people believe in it. Some people don't. Some people. I have some vines that um, 
had a, a south facing side and a north facing side. So we pull the leaves on the north facing side because it's all in shade and we need to get some dappled light coming in on that side plus some breeze blowing through to keep it clean. Um, so that that's a that can be a big effect, you know. You know, do you till? Do you not till? Do you sometimes till? Um, you know, what what are your inputs or or lack thereof? Um, you know, how much do you water and when do you water? I mean, those all all affect it. You know, so in in here we can water whenever we want. Um, and you know, we have drip and, and you know in, in in the United States and you're hooked up to water lines. So in a lot of places in in France and, and Italy, you know, you're supposed to uh, to dry farm. You're not allowed to water once the vines are over a certain age, and you just. But they get rain throughout out the. Um, throughout the season. So during the summer, they'll get rain on their vines. So they do get water. And, or as I like to say, God gets to decide when to water their vines and we get to play God on our vines. <laughs> <laughs> there you um, go. So, um, but that, that has a big, big, um, a big impact, you know? So if, if you're watering all, all year long, you're gonna get a different type of growth versus if you're getting, um, only getting rain and, and you go Normally, you get rain a few times throughout the summer, and you go a whole summer with no rain. You're definitely have a different a different impact on on the wine and the grapes that year than you did in other years. So again, and that yeah. that represents the terroir of, of 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 your vineyard, you know. And then we just we discussed um, just a, a few minutes ago about the ripeness levels and you know letting them hang longer and whatever. I mean, because that'll definitely make a, a difference on, on how your wine tastes. Um, and that'll come through. And so if somebody's talking about your 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 wine and oh, you know, the terroir, and, but but it's everything, right? It's all all the influences. I always think of terroir not just going back to climate soil topography, but it's you know, anything we do to affect our, our vines that that will come through and that actually represents your sense of place of, of, of your wine. Got it. No. And that makes perfect sense. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I love that. And it's all the things from like, you know, like you're saying, how much you water, I mean, takes what might've been a dry climate to more to representation or maybe a wetter one because you're giving it more water or think different things like that. So um, no, that, this is, this has been awesome. So I love it. And I can say too, having uh I uh, had several bottles now of your wine. <laughs> um, it, it, it definitely shows uh, for sure. So um, got to kind of wrap up here pretty quick. Do you have any parting thoughts, anything you want to kind of leave uh, the listeners with as far as just uh, terroir in general? Well, so I would encourage one, uh, try a lot of different wines and uh and see what you can see in the in the, in the differences of what you taste and see if you can parse out so what is oak versus what is the natural uh environment that the that the, the grapes are being grown in and the wines being being made from um and uh you know again my uh, my motto is there's a million wines out there and you should try them all <laughs> you don't have to like them all but you should just try them all <laughs> <laughs> I like that theory. So, I, I, I will do my part to put a dent in that. <laughs> so there nice. you go. All right. Um, so if somebody wants to get uh, some more information on Aver Family uh, Vineyards, uh, where where can they go? Where, where where can they find you? Sure. So of course, like everybody, we have a website. So AverFamilyVineyards.com. 
so, and they can also come visit us. Um, we're, like I said, we're in the Southern Santa Clara Valley. Uh, there's actually, uh, we have our own website, like I just said, in the wineries of Santa Clara Valley, um, which represents about 30 of the uh, 40 some odd wineries down here, has a website and a map so you can see uh, where all the wineries are. And we're located uh, near the towns of Morgan Hill and Gilroy um, in, uh, in California. So uh, we're open on the weekends, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Of course, nowadays with COVID, re reservations are required. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, but uh, uh, we would love to have you uh, come visit us. And if you want to talk wine, I can talk to you all day long. It's my favorite subject. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. And to learn more about the unsophisticated palate, you can go to theunsophisticatedpalate.com. Uh, and until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.